0: Stem cell science is changing medicine and our understanding of human development. Learn more with the Stem Cell Channel. Visit uctv.tv stemcell stem cell. And it's my pleasure to introduce Dr. Cholak. Um, She's an assistant professor um, at the Brain and Mind Institute. Uh, she earned her PhD from the Ludwig Maximilian University in Munich, in Germany, and um, has done uh, uh, a postdoc in, in New York, um, exploring the role of a local mRNA translational. She also studied RNA degradation, the nonsense mediating mRNA decay, NMD, as a mechanism for axon um, uh, guidance in vivo. Um, she has made like several discoveries, um, including when one of, uh, I consider like a seminal paper showing that the fMRI1 gene, the one uh, linked to fragile X, um, is, uh, is regulated during embryonic stem cells um, due to the expansion of the repeats, and the mRNA actually interacts with the DNA uh, that triggers uh, the expression of the gene explaining Um, why uh, sometimes you don't see that expression. So that was uh, one of the first really uh, important mechanisms that you see that a no-coding RNA could actually bind to the DNA and regulate uh, gene expression in a very important gene. Um, So she has uh, lots of publications, which is quite amazing. And uh, we recently exchanged some emails and then she pointed out a recent paper on astrocytes and autism. And I somehow I missed that, I was embarrassed and I was reading, I said, oh my gosh, this is amazing, a tour de force, Um, and I said, oh, I have to invite her, because we do have a strong um, gliobiology here in Southern California that would appreciate um, her work. I was familiarized with her work on on, on brain organoids and and schizophrenia, recent um, uh, work that was also, like, fantastic, but uh, this one on autism is is one of my favorites, so I I invite her and 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 and, and thank you for for accepting the invitation in, in such a short um, time frame. And uh, as soon as uh, the uh, announcement start uh, to get out, I mean, I received lots of email from colleagues saying, oh, thanks so much for inviting her. This work is amazing. I can't wait to see it." And uh, I'll just read like the email from from Myles Wilkinson, who are. Uh, who's probably here in the audience. And he said, Alison, Dilek is terrific. She did tremendous work with uh, Sammy Jeffrey on both in MDA and Fragile X, uh, both it's uh, cell and science papers. Um, and then, I mean, she mentioned that uh, she got to know you and Sammy and, and wrote like a uh, nature reviews uh, on MDA and the brain. Um, and she, she's following your career. So she, he's, a, he's a big fan as well. Um, So I'm so happy that um, you accepted and I can't wait to share my excitement uh, of your recent discoveries here with um, my colleagues in Southern California. Thanks so much, Delek, and uh, the floor is yours.
1: Uh, Thank you very much for invitation and uh, also for this kind introduction and special hello to Miles. Actually, I'm supposed to write him an email because we have more exciting data on NMD, so I, I need some advice from him and I have to share our new data with them. Um, so it's my pleasure uh, to give the talk today. I'm very happy to be here. Uh, as Elson uh, mentioned, uh, uh, in my lab, we are interested in understanding molecular and cellular mechanisms uh, regulating synaptic plasticity, both in a health, healthy state and a disorder state. And we are particularly, uh, we are focusing on uh, regulation of RNA and its Uh, contribution and glial contribution uh, to neurodevelopmental and neuropsychiatric diseases. In our recent uh, study, uh, we particularly focused on astrocyte pathology and astrocyte dysfunction in uh, autism. So I'm sure, you know, all the researchers uh, know about autism, but, you know, just a brief introduction. Autism and AST are both uh, general terms for a group of complex disorders of brain development. Uh, Autism affects millions of uh, people worldwide, um, and approximately uh, 95% of autism diagnoses are idiopathic or non-syndromic. In other words, they are not associated with non genetic anomaly. Um, there's no cure uh, for ASD, and the reason for that is because we did not, we have not fully understood molecular and cellular mechanisms underlying this disease. Having said that, it's not that we don't know anything about it, because genome wide association studies and animal model studies from syndromic ASD, such as Fragile X syndrome and Rett syndrome, have suggested that dysregulated synaptic function accounts for most of the abnormalities in this disease. And interestingly, the onset of AST symptoms coincides with activity dependent synaptic plasticity uh, events. So, uh, synaptic plasticity, again, I'm sure uh, most of you are familiar with that term, but in basic terms, it means. Um, uh, it, it refers to the ability of a synapse to become stronger or weaker uh, because synaptic transmissions between neurons uh, can be either enhanced through long-term potentiation or they can be depressed through long-term uh, depression and uh, Synaptic plasticity, both LTP and LTD are considered to be the foundation of uh, learning and uh, memory uh, because the majority of the exact synaptic uh, contacts occur on the uh, spine. Spine morphology and spine densities are also very critical for synaptic plasticity uh, and in turn learn, for learning and uh, memory. And interestingly, as the postmortem brains also exhibit apparent spine, spine densities in various uh, brain um, regions. So why? Why were I mean why, why were we interested in astrocytes at the first uh, place? Um, I mean because astrocytes are integral components of the tripartite uh, synapse uh, in a. Uh, in a single human astrocyte can contact up to 2 million synapses and it's around 100,000 in uh, mouse brain, I think. Um, And astrocytes have been implicated in the regulation of synapse formations, secretion of factors that affect dendritic arborization, uh, synapse elimination, um, and removal of excess neurotransmitters to prevent excitotoxicity. And uh, one of them is the most famous one is glutamate. Uh, and especially astrocytes have been um, shown uh, to uh, positively regulate L- LTP and um, uh, that um, a proper uh, I mean, astrocyte function is required um, for uh, memory consolidation, particularly. So what do we know about astrocytes and AST so far? Um, so co-culture experiments... Uh, revealed that the presence of astrocytes dro- uh, derived from the brains of uh, syndromic cases, such as Rett syndrome or Fragile X syndrome, um, altered uh, synaptic transmission in healthy neurons. And transcriptomic and immunohistochemistry studies in postmortem tissues also found that there was astrocyte reactivity in uh, in the cortices of individuals with in brain cortices of individuals with AST. So uh, reactive astrocytes are astrocytes that undergo molecular, uh, functional, um, and morphological changes in response to um, uh, pathology, such as uh, injuries or disease. Uh, So uh, despite these implications, uh, the precise role of astrocytes in synaptic abnormalities observed in autism is unknown, and we even don't know if this pathology we see in uh, postmortem brains, is this reactive astrocyte pathology, is primary or secondary to the disease. So, to study astrocyte pathology, we use patient-derived stem cell models. Um, you know, this also doesn't need an introduction because animal studies have been uh, helpful to understand certain aspects uh, of uh, autism, but they are not sufficient to fully uh, capture uh, the disease pathology and it's a brain disease and brain makes us different than uh, animals. And uh, also post studies have limited insight into understanding the onset and uh, progression of the disease. So currently Patient drive uh, stem cells and patient drive uh, cells provide an ideal experimental system to understand uh, molecular and cellular mechanisms underlying polygenic diseases such as uh, autism, because it provides us the opportunity to study living patient cells in a dish. And a 3D brain organoid technique actually moved uh, IPSC culture also a huge step forward. As you all know, you know, they're considered to be mini brains in a dish. It's a 3D environment, and it recapitulates various uh, brain regions. But for me, one of the most important aspects of uh, organoid technique is that cerebral organoids recapitulate the temporal sequence of cortical development seen in developing embryos. Namely, neurons are generated first, then glial cells are generated. So we exploited this organoid technique uh, to study uh, uh, astrocytes, AST astrocytes. Basically what we did was, we obtained uh, uh, stem cell lines, IPSC lines from um, nine healthy controls. And uh, we have obtained 10 uh, independent IPSC lines from 10 um, AST patients. And we generated organoids from all of these lines. So uh, in these organoids, like uh, as I said, like neurons are generated first, then astrocytes are generated. The astrocytes uh, appear usually around day 60, and at day 70, 75, we dissociated these organoids and um, uh, selected for astrocytes and reached for astrocytes by using a, a, by using a media that selects for astrocytes. So we basically used organoids only to populate a healthy and disease astrocytes, so we could choose a protocol a two d differentiation protocol to generate astrocytes. but we wanted to generate the astrocytes as spontaneous as possible so that they would carry disease specific features because you know so two uh, d differentiation protocols might use might use you know growth factors some other you know excessive amount of like factors or sometimes FPS that could alter um, disease-specific features in these cells. So we didn't want perfect astrocytes. We wanted to have disease astrocytes. And most importantly, the organoid system also allows to populate AST astrocytes in an environment that mimics the early AST brain pathology, meaning presence of AST neurons. So we then um, uh, labeled these astrocytes. We infected them with a virus uh, expressing GFP and transplanted into the brains of mice at postnatal stage and then studied, um, addressed um, whether these um, ST astrocytes induce any synaptic plasticity or uh, synaptic plasticity deficits or behavioral alterations in adult chimeric mice. So we basically generated a humanized uh, a mouse model of ASD, chimeric mice. But before uh, I go into these, uh, you know, transplantation experiments and um, uh, behavioral or synaptic plasticity experiments, um, I want to show you the characterization of uh, our uh, organoid-derived astrocytes. Uh, I will also show you an experiment where we attempted to understand, um, to address the inherent deficits Uh, in these astrocytes. And I will come to that in a couple of minutes. So this is how our, you know, typical organoid cultures look like. This is um, how, you know, this is our organoid around 875. Um, This is the time uh, when we um, uh, dissociate our organoids to isolate astrocytes. And this is how control and AST, these are representative organoid um, uh, images from both control and SD group. They are similar in size. At the time of dissociation, and the first thing we did was, of course, to, uh, to examine if they express astrocyte markers. They express various astrocyte markers. Um, uh, the well-known ones are ALDH1L1 and GFAP, but they also express aqua P4, remantene, and S100 uh, beta. Uh, so we also wanted to assess the reactivity studies of uh, uh, these uh, astrocytes because I mentioned in the introduction that in AST postmortem brains uh, astrocytes are show astrocytes show reactive studies. Um, So one of the most reliable reliable markers of astrocyte reactivity is uh, F-actin upregulation. F-actin basically refers to actin filaments. And because astrocytes undergo morphological changes um, um, in reactive states, uh, F-actin is drastically upregulated. You can label F-actin with a a peptide that selectively, the specific um, uh, labels, um, uh, recognizes F-actin. So we did follow it in staining uh, in our astrocyte cultures. And here are representative images like from three control lines and three AST lines. And this is on the left side is our regular cultures uh, with 2% FPS, minimal FPS. Um, and we had to, co- we, we needed a positive control to. Uh, compare our astrocytes. Like we, we needed astrocytes that were reactive. Um, and it's known that high levels of serum can induce reactivity in astrocytes. That's why we also cultured our cells in 20% FPS, um, that, it, as you can see, um, uh, resulted in. Um, a significantly higher F-actin signal uh, compared to our regular cultures, and these are quantifications here. So, if this culture is considered on the right side, 20% FBS is considered like reactive astrocytes. Um, we concluded that our organoid-derived astrocytes are not overtly in reactive state, as you know, they were um, they had very weak, low level of uh, F-actin um, staining. Uh, So to determine, uh, to identify uh, uh, inherent pathological deficits in these cells, uh, we took an unbiased approach and compared the protein profiles of control lines, compared the protein profiles of AST lines with control lines using tandem mass tech liquid chromatography mass spectrometry. So here there are two independent experiments are shown here based on the availability of the lines at the time. Uh, But both experiments showed high reproducibility um, and the identity of the proteins that were um, uh, detected were uh, almost identical between the uh, groups. So interestingly, we found a lot of differentially regulated uh, proteins in AST lines when compared to control lines. However, those differentially regulated proteins were not common across all ASD lines. This is expected because this is a non-syndromic ASD, this is an idiopathic ASD, and probably each patient harbors different genetic variants that result in uh, varied protein expression. However, uh, using the same data set, um, we did an analysis called um, ingenuity pathway analysis. So this analysis identifies upstream and downstream predictors so it determines if varied protein combinations across different samples converge on similar biological pathways. And Indeed, uh, this uh, analysis uh, determined that um, a varied protein expressions across different samples converged on calcium signaling in ASD lines. So most of the proteins that were differentially regulated in ASD lines, although they were different proteins, they were all linked to um, a calcium pathway. So what do we know about calcium uh, signaling in astrocytes? So, uh, Calcium signaling in astrocytes is very important. It's very critical because uh, astrocytes respond to neuronal activity via elevated cytosolic calcium concentrations. In baseline conditions, there is, you know, some calcium activity going on in uh, cytoplasm. There is Certain levels of calcium, but the most of the calcium is restored is stored in endoplasmic reticulum. And upon stimulation, uh, it's called evoked uh, calcium response. Increases of asteristic calcium, so the release of calcium uh, from endoplasmic reticulum to cytoplasm, um, lead to release of gliotransmitters from astrocytes, including glutamate, ATP, and GABA. That in turn controls synaptic uh, regulate synaptic transmission and Modulate Synaptic Plasticity, so to confirm this predicted deficit in AST astrocytes, so far it's a predicted deficit, um, uh, we uh, measured calcium activity using two-photon live um, cell imaging. We loaded our um, um, astrocytes, controlling AST astrocytes with a calcium sensor dye, Fluo 4 which uh, excites uh, at 488 and can be measured. Uh, you can see here, these are um, still uh, images taken from two-photon video. Videos, uh, that at baseline there is calcium activity, but upon stimulation with ATP in this case, the activity in, is increased and you can see that in the uh, heat map plot, plots too. So, uh, however, this increase in response was much higher in AST astrocytes compared to control astrocytes. So both groups like both cells responded to stimulation by increase, you know, with an increase in calcium. But the increase was much higher in AST astrocytes. So uh, when we discussed this, um, so we are, not, you know, we are not really calcium experts, but when we discussed this with um, calcium expert people, especially in astrocytes, um, they told us that... Um, uh, so. Uh, In astrocyte, uh, uh, calcium signaling, um, how to say, calcium um, activity, uh, both in cell soma and in the processes of astrocytes actually contribute to calcium signaling in these cells. And because astrocytes acquire their complex and large morphology in vivo, um, only I mean we can capture the real calcium phenotype uh, in vivo. So you know, if we didn't do these experiments in vivo we would not be really sure whether there is this calcium deficit in ASD astrocytes. So this brought us back to our transplantation experiments, because we said that, okay, we are going to put these cells in an in vivo environment. Maybe before we do our behavioral and synoptic plasticity experiments, um, you know, we could, uh, uh, we could measure, record calcium activity um, uh, in, uh, in transplanted human astrocytes. So going back to that scheme again, uh, we generated um, organoids from control lines and ASD lines, and we selected for astrocytes. And we labeled these astrocytes um, and transplanted them into immunocompromised mice at postnatal stage. So postnatal stage is critical because, uh, especially postnatal day two to four, because it's when astrocyte generation peaks. So the the brain allows um, generation, migration, and maturation of astrocytes. So it's the perfect time point for astrocyte uh, development. Uh, so this is how um, chimeric brains look like. Um, uh, these are um, uh, what you see in green is the GFP our labeled astrocytes, and these are sagittal sections at different mediolateral lateral positions. And you can see that organoid-derived astrocytes, transplanted astrocytes, migrated throughout the cortex and survived into adulthood. And here in the lower panels, um, you see higher magnifications from uh, same sections that. Um, these cells populated, uh, especially the cortex and um, hippocampus. So, um, yeah, I mean, in addition to GFP, we also wanted to uh, confirm uh, that these cells are human uh, cells, human astrocytes. We used an antibody that specifically recognizes um, uh, uh, human GFAP. Episode, um, et- Epitope, and uh, uh, so that staining also confirmed that these ast- um, these human transplanted cells survived in the adult brain um, and populated cortex and uh, hippocampus. And we also um, uh, examined if these cells retained their astrocyte identity upon maturation in vivo um, and uh, stained uh, co-labeled these um, uh, uh, sections with GFP and ALDH one L one or. Uh, GFAP, and here quantifications show that more than 90% of the GFP positive cells were either co-localized with ALDH1L1 or GFAP, so transplanted astrocytes retained their identities upon maturation in the adult mouse brain. So most importantly these cells did not differentiate into neurons. So we examined more than 800 cells across several uh, chimeric brains, different IPSC lines, that there was no single co-localization between uh, GFP uh, and uh, neuronal marker, noise. and morphology-wise also you see, in, you know, various in different pictures that they really did not look like neurons. To validate our uh, the calcium deficit phenotype um, we observed in vitro, so we measured calcium activity in live mice, actively responding to the environment using two-photon calcium imaging. And for this, um, we infected our astrocytes before transplantation with a virus expressing a uh, calcium, genetically encoded calcium indicator GCAMP. Uh, GCAMP is uh, the fusion of calmodulin and um, uh, GFP, and you know it flourishes when it binds to calcium. And we uh, transplanted these uh, astrocyte expressing GCAMP again into the uh, brains of mice at postnatal stage. So the first step in, uh, in vivo of two-photon calcium imaging is placement of a cranial window on top of the somatosensory cortex. And when I say window, I literally mean window because this is a three millimeter glass uh, window. And after that, um, uh, we let the mice to recover for uh, several weeks. Um, so these experiments were done uh, we were very lucky because um, uh, um, our neighbor lab uh, is the lab of Connor Liston I'm mean, literally neighbor and his door is his, his room is just behind this door um, so uh, they're experts in calcium signaling and uh, you would think that it doesn't get better than that but it did because his senior postdoc Ben Huang is as, has specific expertise or experience um, in uh, calcium imaging in astrocytes so he performed these experiments and this is how the setup looks like Um, you see a mouse under the objective and the mouse is uh, on a floating platform that's critical because floating platform uh, prevents image uh, motion artifacts Um, and because um, we were interested in capturing um, calcium response upon stimulation so we were interested in this evoked calcium responses we had to stimulate this uh, mouse um, um, as well. So here, and we did that with um, air puff application. To, uh, to face of mice. So you see a tube here, it's called air puff tube. And each time when uh, a mouse received an air puff um, to, um, to, to the face, uh, it startled. And uh, then Ben uh, measured uh, startle-induced changes in calcium transit. You can see here that this is baseline calcium here. And uh, upon startle, there is a response to startle. There is increased calcium levels. And here, um, this is it, an astrocyte, a transplanted astrocyte in vivo expressing uh, the calcium sensor uh, GCAM. So uh, the transplanted human astrocytes displayed a variety of calcium responses um, to um, startle behavior. So it was, of course, more complicated than uh, in vitro. So for example, the first group resembled our uh, in vitro astrocyte group. So upon startle. They showed an increased uh, calcium response, but you can see that the response was much higher in AST astrocytes. So, another group showed a decreased calcium response to startled behavior. But in that decrease, even though the total levels seemed similar or the decreased response was similar, but the fluctuations in calcium was much higher in AST astrocytes. The third group responded to Startled behavior with, you know, with no change in calcium uh, in cytoplasm. But even in that case, there were uh, increased fluctuations when compared in AST astrocytes when compared to control astrocytes. So this in vivo experiment, especially this first group, uh, confirmed uh, that there is an aberrant calcium activity in AST astrocytes. So uh, we were already interested in addressing the role of these cells or the contribution of these cells to um, uh, synaptic plasticity deficits um, or behavioral abnormalities seen in ASD. And we will test that in chimeric mice. But this further uh, raised the question, is this phenotype reflected to ASD hallmark behavior as well as learning and cognition in chimeric mice? So before uh, doing any specific behavioral experiment, we first wanted to assess general motor activity of our chimeric mice. And to do this, we used this well-known test uh, called Open Field Test. Um, In this test, you place uh, mice in a special box. This box has photo beams and uh, the software tracks beam breaks. In uh, XYZ uh, planes, so uh, therefore it accurately measures um, uh, a general motor activity or locomotion uh, of, uh, of mice. Uh, but in addition to uh, assessing um, or recording uh, general locomotion, uh, it can also we can also um, it, this software also helps us to have an idea or to interpret anxiety type of uh, behavior uh, in mice because it can measure. Um, center preference um, score uh, by recording the time uh, by tracking the time the mouse spends in a center zone versus uh, edges. For example, an anxious mouse, the center preference score of an anxious mouse uh, would be lower than uh, the center preference score of a healthy uh, or um, no anxious mouse. So in this test, both chimeric groups, controlled chimeric uh, mice and AST astrocyte chimeric mice be, uh, performed similarly. Um, so this showed that the injection protocol uh, did not affect ambulatory activity and is not a confounding factor in the interpretation of other behavioral results. But more importantly, that AST chimeric mice did not show altered uh, locomotion activity or uh, uh, anxious activity, um, anxiety compared to control mice. So uh, finally, uh, we come to ST hallmark behaviors. Um, ST diagnosis is based on three categories of behavioral criteria, as you might know, abnormal social interactions, communication deficits, and repetitive behaviors. To score sociability, uh, we used, again, a uh, well-known test uh, called three-chamber social interaction test. So in this test, you place mouse in a box with three chambers, Um, and uh, in the habituation phase the test consists of two phases in the habituation phase the first phase you place mouse in the middle box and the mouse can freely walk between compartments because they um, um, you know they're open Uh, but you place objects um, uh, usually a wired cup and meshed cup uh, in ant chambers Uh, at the end of habituation phase you remove one of the uh, you remove the object from one of the end chambers and you you replace the uh, uh, you replace the object the cup uh, with a stimulus mouse so uh, in the social preference phase This uh, chamber where you place the uh, stimulus mass is considered social zone and the chamber that still contains the object is considered non-social zone. In the software and you let mice again to explore different, your test mice to explore different chambers uh, for um, uh, 10-15 minutes and the the software then tracks the time the mass spends in social zone and uh, non-social zone. So in this experiment, again, both groups performed similarly. So ASD astrocyte chimeric mice did not uh, show um, um, deficits in uh, uh, in sociability or in social interaction. So uh, we uh, to test repetitive behavior uh, to assess repetitive behavior, we used again a commonly used test, a marble burying test. Uh, mice they like burying marbles, uh, burying stuff in general, but also marbles, so we placed uh, 20 marbles in each cage and let mice bury these marbles in a uh, you know, certain time, and at the end of the test, uh, we uh, quantified the number of the marbles that were buried, and we considered a marble buried uh, if 60% of the marble was covered. In this test, AST chimeric mice behaved um, uh, significantly different than uh, control uh, mice. They buried way more marbles, as well as showed um, uh, uh, increased uh, digging behavior. So these uh, uh, two tests concluded that AST chimeric mice exhibit repetitive behavior, but intact sociability. So. Uh, Because astrocytes are, astrocyte function is critical for learning and uh, memory, and because I have to say, I have to tell this now, um, if I didn't tell earlier that all of our AST lines come from uh, individuals with uh, low IQs, we also wanted to assess if AST astrocytes induce any learning or memory deficits and uh, we phenotype the mice for uh, different types of learning and different type of memory. So for uh, memory, for uh, fear memory, or um, yeah, fear memory, we use the classical uh, fear conditioning um, test. Um, Basically in this test, um, you pair a conditioned stimulus, which is an audible tone, with an unconditioned stimulus, which is a mild foot shock. So you teach the mouse uh, to learn that the audible tone is associated with the uh, mild foot shock, because each time there is a tone right after that, there is a mild foot shock. shock. So uh, on day first, you you do three trials, and you teach mice to be fearful of the audible tone. And when a mouse is fearful, it instinctively freezes. So you measure the freezing behavior and use it as an index of mouse's ability to learn the task. So at the end of uh, day one, at the end of the trials, um, um, this is how the uh, freezing behavior looked like. And ASD chimeric mice and control chimeric mice performed very similarly. So ASD chimeric mice did not show deficits in uh, and associative learning. So the next day you bring the same mouse to the same cage, the same context, but this time um, you don't apply um, audible tone or there is no food shock. This time you again um, measure freezing behavior, but use as an index of mouse's ability to recall the contextual memory. The greater freezes, the greater memory. So, in this contextual memory uh, um, task, uh, ASTIC astrocyte chimeric mice performed differently than control chimeric mice. They showed attenuated contextual fear uh, memory. On day three, you take the same mouse, this time put in a different chamber, it's a novel context, and you only apply the tone, and you again measure the freezing behavior, but this time you use it as an index of the mouse's ability to recall the cue memory. Uh, AST chimeric mice uh, did not show deficits in cue memory either similar to associative learning, um, so uh, this experiment concluded that AST astrocyc mice exhibit impaired fear memory. So uh, we also assessed spatial learning and spatial memory uh, using Morris water maze test. In this test, you basically uh, place mouse in a swimming pool. um, And it's in a park pool. And you hit a platform. uh, You put a platform submerged in water. And you teach mouse with distal cues on day one to find the hidden platform. They are willing to learn. They are willing to find the hidden platform because they don't like swimming. Uh, similar to a uh, fear conditioning test, there are uh, several trials. Actually, they have four trials for four days. It's a it's a difficult task. And eventually, um, uh, at the end of all these trials, it takes mice much less time to find the hidden platform because they learn. And in this task, Both groups performed similarly as the astrocycloameric mice did not show a deficit in spatial learning. So on the fifth day, you bring mouse, sorry, I don't have a scheme for that, uh, but it's simple. On the fifth day, you bring the mouse to the same pool, this time no cues, there is no even hidden platform. You just place the mouse uh, in the um, uh, swimming pool in the tank and uh, the software tracks the time uh, the mouse uh, spends in the quadrant that formerly um, had the uh, hidden platform, so in this case um, uh, we measure the memory if the, If the mouse has an intact memory or a good memory, it will take a mouse nice less time to find the quadrant and spend more time in that quadrant because it thinks that you know the uh, the hidden platform should be around there. So in this uh, task also, both groups uh, performed similarly, and we concluded that AST astrocyte chimeric mice exhibit no deficits in spatial learning or memory. So we we found specific deficits in, um, uh, in fear memory, and AST astrocytes also induced repetitive behavior. At the end of this behavioral experiments. So, because there's a uh, there's, uh, uh, bias, uh, um, there's male bias um, uh, in AST uh, prevalence, we also performed sex split analysis for the um, uh, behavioral phenotypes we observed. Both female and male mice in both groups, control and AST, performed similarly in marble burying tests and uh, peer memory tests, uh, suggesting that sex is not a main effect nor interaction factor that contributes to these um, uh, phenotypes. So the only, um, significance, uh, the, the only factor to reach significance was ASD diagnosis. It was not sex. So because astrocytes positively regulate um, uh, synaptic plasticity, um, especially LTP, um, and because LTP is uh, the cellular basis for fear memories, uh, you know, which we uh, uh, observed. Uh, I mean, we observe here memory phenotypes in AST chimeric mice. And whenever there is a memory uh, deficit, it's usually associated with a deficit in uh, LTP. Since astrocytes positively regulate LTP, we were particularly interested in LTP measurements, long term potentiation uh, measurements in uh, AST chimeric mice. So LTP can be measured from acute brain slices. And for this experiment, uh, we uh, collaborated with the lab of at NYU. Um, His former postdoc, uh, Francesco, prepared these acute brain slices from our chimeric brains and uh, induced LTP by electrical stimulation. So basically, um, uh, you stimulate synapses to become stronger and then you measure their uh, potentiation. So upon stimulation, Uh, Synapses in both uh, CA1 synapses in both chimeric slices showed potentiation, but the potentiation was much lower in ASD um, uh, chimeric slices compared to uh, control chimeric slices. So this experiment showed that ASD astrocyte chimeric mice exhibit impaired hippocampal LTP, um, a phenotype that is actually very consistent with uh, memory phenotype. To gain more mechanistic insight into how ASD astrocytes induce uh, plasticity deficits and behavioral deficits, uh, we wanted to simulate the in vivo macro environment um, um, by culturing, co-culturing our control and ASD astrocytes with um, healthy, with wild-type mouse hippocampal neurons, because these two culture conditions. Um, closely mimic the um, cellular interactions in our chimeric brains. We then uh, assess both uh, neuronal uh, structure and uh, structural properties and electrical properties, which I will show in the next slide. So here, first we uh, we addressed if AST astrocytes induce any alterations in spine densities in healthy neurons. And in fact, um, AST, um, Healthy neurons, wild type hippocampal neurons that were co-cultured with ASD astrocytes showed reduced spine densities when compared to uh, uh, neurons that were co-cultured with control astrocytes. Astrocytes are also known to regulate synaptic uh, connectivity and especially synchronization uh, of neurons in a network. Therefore, we also wanted to assess uh, neuronal connectivity uh, properties of healthy neurons when they are co-cultured with control uh, versus ASD astrocytes. And for this, we used uh, MEA microelectrode arrays. And I'm sure you are familiar with these arrays. But uh, microelectrode arrays basically measures action potentials in uh, extracellular action potentials in Non invasive way, you plate your cells, uh, you culture your cells on a plate that has microscopic electrodes on the bottom, and the software can calculate or can record uh, mean firing rate, synchronization, network bursts, etc. So we plated our co cultures. Um, so AST here refers to AST astrocytes co cultured with. Uh, healthy neurons and control uh, refers to control astrocytes co-cultured with healthy neurons and none refers to only neurons no uh, uh, human astrocytes. And so we plated our co-cultured co-cu- uh, our co-cultures uh, on these plate and measured mean firing rates and synchronization and network bursts and um, AST Neurons that were co cultured with AST astrocytes showed reduced mean firing firing rate, reduced synchronization, and reduced network bursts. So, we concluded that AST astrocytes decrease neuronal network firing on primary hippocampal neurons when compared uh, to control astrocytes. Yes, I mean, uh, at this point, it was obvious uh, that ASD astrocytes induce specific cognitive and behavioral deficits by influencing the structural and functional properties of neurons. So, uh, so far, what I only showed you, I mean, so far, I showed you the calcium deficit in astrocytes and inherent deficits. um, And I showed you uh, phenotypes that ASD astrocytes cause. Uh, either in uh, chimeric brains or in, in vitro in co-culture experiments. Uh, but I did not show you any experiment that linked this to, um, uh, to each other. So therefore we performed the rescue experiment and asked, does attenuation of calcium mobilization, in other words, does modulation of calcium activity in ASD astrocytes prevent dysfunction induced by these cells? And to do that, this slide can look busy, but you know, don't worry about it, it's very simple. We basically they wanted to modulate lower the calcium responses in ASD astrocytes, and for that we targeted IP3 receptors. Uh, IP3 receptors are receptors on the surface of endoplasmic reticulum, and they are responsible uh, for calcium uh, release to um, cytoplasm. And luckily, these receptors are only known to regulate calcium signaling and nothing else. So you are not interu- you are not disrupting anything um, in in cells when you knock down these receptors. But are no- knockdown was also, I'm not showing here because it was too much as a validation experiment, but that we, we uh, knocked down the IP31 and IP3 only like around 50% because we didn't want to eliminate the calcium response, we just wanted to modulate it, bring it uh, to levels similar to uh, control neurons. And we did the validation experiments. We used high-throughput calcium mobilization uh, assay. And here, AST-none refers to ST astrocytes with control virus. And AST knockdown refers to AST astrocytes um, with IP3 receptor knockdown. In other words, with modulated calcium. And AST knockdown astrocytes showed um, um, reduced Um, calcium response upon uh, activation. And these others are more like um, uh, uh, controls, negative controls or controls to test. Overall calcium levels were not affected, but only activation or response uh, to uh, to stimulation was reduced in AST knockdown astrocytes. So perfectly, we have now AST astrocyte with exaggerated calcium response, and we have now AST astrocytes with modulated kind of normalized calcium response. And, so uh, we repeated the MEA experiment now with our ASD astrocytes with modulated calcium response, and those astrocytes with modulated calcium response displayed similar properties to control astrocytes in terms of mean firing rate, synchronization, and network bursts. Um, we also transplanted these astrocytes with modulated calcium uh, responses uh, into mouse brain and in chimeric brains. We assessed. Uh, if modulation of AST astrocytes prevents deficits that we um, uh, formerly saw in fear uh, memory, uh, in fact, these mice that were transplanted with uh, AST astrocytes with modulated calcium activity uh, performed similarly to control mice and did not show, when compared to control mice, did not show a contextual fear memory phenotype. So, uh, in summary, uh, we found that AST astrocytes induce repetitive behavior as well as deficits in memory and synoptic plasticity, which reflects changes in neuronal network dynamics. And our study actually identified uh, altered calcium signaling in AST astrocytes as a mechanism that contributes uh, to specific neuro- uh, behavioral and neuronal deficits. So, of course, there are a lot more to do in future because, um, first of all, uh, astrocytes are very heterogeneous um, and they are complex, and um, we even don't know, uh, you know, whether we were working, like, whether our organoid astrocytes are just one population of astrocytes or mixed population of different astrocytes. But only a single-cell RNA sequencing in engrafted mature astrocytes could answer that. And we didn't study the glial transmitters released by astrocytes and their impact on uh, structural plasticity. Um, that whether this exaggerated um, uh, calcium uh, signaling or response in the astrocytes uh, cause. Um, release of glutamate or D-serine or ATP, we don't know, um, and um, another interesting, so we did not study uh, motility or phagocytic ast- activity of these astrocytes because we showed that AST astrocytes' alter uh, spine densities And they are co-cultured with neurons, Uh, but we don't know whether this is because the phagocytic activity of AST astrocytes are altered or not. That will be an interesting future experiment. And finally, Because uh, we wanted to, in our in vitro experiments, we wanted to simulate the in vivo environment to complete, because the in vivo in vitro experiments completed each other in our study, we used mouse hippocampal neurons uh, in our co-culture experiments. Uh, It would be interesting to see if ASD astrocytes, how ASD astrocytes actually influence um, uh, human uh, neurons, whether uh, similar to mouse neurons, uh, whether they will induce um, a spine uh, deficits or um, uh, mean firing rate or synchronization uh, phenotypes, uh, we don't know that. So with that, um, I would like to thank my lab members and collaborators, a lot of collaborators, um, um, and I'd like to thank you for your attention. And I'm happy to take any
0: questions. So this is a lot of work. I mean, I'm I'm quite uh, amazed that you were able to move like from the in vitro system. Uh, to this kind of a chimeric approach, uh, in in even the co culture um, in uh, with uh, the astrocytes in, in mouse neurons, so you kind of cover it all. And I'm glad that you went from the molecular aspects to to behavior. Um, and and that's one one question uh, for you. I mean, if I might start, uh, I have plenty of questions here. But yeah. um, the first one is uh, so you transplant these astrocytes in. Uh, P1, just Uh, one
1: animal? P2, P3. P1 is too little. P2, P3.
0: Okay, and and they're not rejected by the animal? Uh,
1: They're not because we use immunocompromised mice. Uh, These are REC2 mice, so you do transplantations. The most successful transplantations uh, are in immunocompromised mice. Uh, So these mice, they do not have T cells and B cells.
0: Okay. Okay. So they do not reject the cells, and they yes. Yes. So they yeah.
1: They do not attack the um uh, the you know uh, uh transplanted cells. So they do not yeah phagocyte mm-hmm. the and, transplanted cells.
0: And and um, I mean uh, I'm amazed that you see behavior changes um, upon transplantation. How many cells, I mean, first of all, did you transplant astrocytes or these are kind of a glioprogenitor cell? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm,
1: I'm glad you asked that because people, uh, maybe, you know, uh, I should have been more clear. Um, uh, we actually, so because there is this pioneer study from uh, Goldman lab that yep. where they transplant A2B5 cells, more like progenitors, and they become both astrocytes and oligodendrocytes. Uh, so... Because we were interested in you know uh, the role of astrocytes, we we kind of um, uh, we transplanted sa- only the cells that showed ALDH1L1 and GFAP uh, um, uh, expression, so around passage eight or passage nine. So compared, especially to uh, previous transplantation studies, our astrocytes. Our cells were astrocytes, they were not progenitors anymore, they were like, you know, kind of mature, but of course, you know, they got maybe even further mature and got complex in the in the brain, but that kind of, I mean, there are advantages and disadvantages to this because, um, t- so they were mature. That's why in the adult brain we don't see oligodendrocytes, we don't see microglia, we don't see other cell types. We only see astrocytes that survive from mm-hmm. transplanted cells. Uh, but uh, the, the the numbers were not as uh, as high as the Goldman would get because I, you know, you, you will imagine that at progenitor stage they proliferate more and they really innovate the brain. So in our case. They didn't invade the brain, but, you know, they were more like targeted cells. And, you know, uh, uh, so they populated mostly cortex and a hippocampus. They proliferated because we see millions of cells, uh, mm-hmm. but they did not really uh, took over native astrocytes that, you know, that I can say. So there are, there were still native astrocytes there.
0: But the fact that they do proliferate, uh, meaning that they are already committed to the astrocyte lineage, and, and obviously, I mean, you don't have the whole uh, integration in the brain, but they spread that you show. I mean, it's quite yeah. good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see yeah. that. You know.
1: So, yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, you, you transplant in four positions, but of course, the brain expands too. So they proliferate, they migrate to a certain extent. Um, and most importantly to us, that, um, uh, uh, you know, at the end, at least we can conclude that these are astrocytes and astrocytes do this and astrocytes do that. Uh, But um, it's true that um, uh, maybe if in terms of number, if they were more, maybe we couldn't see certain phenotypes because of the number. Uh, But, you know, we were still happy with what we have, because at least now we know that astrocytes, um our study suggests that astrocyte can contribute to specific uh you know behavioral outcomes of a s d uh, uh mm-hmm. also uh, plasticity wow.
0: um these are the 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 socialization versus the repetitive behavior. It's amazing that we're able to distinguish those and and connect. Yeah, that
1: was amazing. And I was thinking about it yesterday because I was thinking about, I was reading um, an abstract, a conference abstract, how striatum is very important for social behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was thinking, is this the reason, maybe because because our astrocytes are mostly in cortex and hippocampus, I mean, is it that because, you know, uh, maybe if we transplant to stratum if these astrocytes were in stratum maybe we would see a social effect or it could be that sociability is something really to do with neurons it's inherent to neurons and astrocytes are nothing to do with that so you know like little by little with this kind of studies we are you know uh, trying to understand trying to dissect uh, which cell is responsible what <laughs> for what That's
0: fantastic uh, I got, uh, I mean, similar questions here in the q and I mean, asking about uh, the transplantation. I think people were curious about that. Uh, there is another question. If there is a dose response based on exogenous astrocytes with alteration of behavior.
1: Dose means like different, uh, transplanting different numbers? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well, I mean... I think our idea here that we would not even know what we would see, so you know, we transplanted a certain amount, and we did not do any those um, uh, experiments. Yes, it's um, actually in the paper we also wrote in our future directions that it would be it it would be interesting to know how many astrocytes we would need to see a phenotype like this. Yeah. Uh, it's the same even for in vitro experiments. Um, we just um, um, used a fixed number of astrocytes in vitro for healthy cultures because that was our priority. You know, where neurons would look healthy with a certain amount of astrocytes. But it could be interesting also for LTP studies, like how many neural, how many astrocytes you need. Yep. in order to see this effect yeah these are all uh, future <laughs> you know you actually
0: no, I, I think now you have a system and you can yeah. start exploring those questions uh there is another one still related to the transplantation which by the way i mean it's fantastic that's why people are are, are asking about um uh were cells injected in other brain regions or all the injections are always in the same sites did you did yeah. you try different sites to see if Anything
1: uh, it's Well, I mean, these injections are manual, but you can also use stereotaxic. But um, we did two injections before Bragma, and, you know, right uh, behind, um, uh, in front of Bragma, and behind uh, BRACMA, uh four injections in total. And um, um, again, so this is like, this is very critical um, that we try to inject only in cortex. But, you know, I mean, the syringe is in your hands and then, you know, you have a, like a little pop in front of you. I the have
0: school. to remind also, people that this is like early newborn days, right? I mean, yes, it's not that yes, you have so, like a... Yeah,
1: but I'm sure like, if again, see, th- so this is like a... That's why I said like my summary was like only two lines and then, you know, the future experiments were like <laughs> too long okay. and it was like even, that was even the summary of the future experiment. So um, one could uh, uh, make it more automated and more precise. So I'm sure there would be cases that we hit stratum, we hit maybe other regions, but like when we did quantification, which I didn't show you that how many sounds we did in the brain, uh, what we saw consistently was the fact that the cells were in cortex and uh, hippocampus mostly. So it's important also that like always the same person does the transplantation. So, you know, it's, it's consistent. Uh, But again, I mean, I'm sure there were cases because, you know, especially in the behavioral experiments, we didn't like take out the brain and slice and uh, examine each brain that, Oh my God, where are the exact cells? You know, where um, where did the, uh, astrocytes grow in this exact brain? So there could be cases that you know we hit some other regions, but what we mostly saw in our hands when we did these injections, uh, they were mostly in cortex and hippocampus because we tried to uh, stay on the hippocampus, uh, stay on the cortex. Like you know, um, when you go with the with the needle.
0: Very nice. Um, I have another question here regarding the um, uh, genotypes of these uh, autistic individuals. Um, if you sequence them, if there is any specific gene, uh, just a side, yeah. side note, uh, I, I was also in the beginning very interested in idiopathic autism, but it's such a hard thing. I mean, you, you yeah. try to publish, the reviews, just beat you up. Oh, <laughs> That's my why God. I, my most that... of my research now is based on, on single genes. So I think you are brave. And, yeah and, um, and that's what we should you know, do cause... no
1: that's no that's true um because i'm also believe me now i'm because uh, they basically think that oh you know these uh, it's very heterogeneous and, and they are very different uh so you cannot you know study them uh, but i think that's wrong and especially our proteomics data suggested because as heterogeneous as they are they have to converge on certain yeah. common yeah. pathways because the phenotypes are similar. I mean, that, it's it's still one thing
0: exactly. exactly. That's the same thing for Alzheimer's. Otherwise, nobody would study Alzheimer's. Right?
1: Exactly. So otherwise, I mean, you would not call it a single disease, right? Or like certain symptoms are there. Um, so, and that's why we were not surprised with proteomics analysis where we couldn't pinpoint a single gene. But... Um, like a lot of the varied uh, protein uh, uh, varied protein expression converged on calcium signaling, and it makes sense, uh, you know, mm-hmm. so maybe a protein X is, so protein A is affected in one individual, protein B is affected in that individual, you would think they're very heterogeneous, but maybe don't. Uh, those bo- uh, two proteins are serving on the same pathway, but yes, for the uh, uh, for the g- uh, gene analysis, we did whole exome sequencing, and we collaborated um, uh, with Vetrovskis uh, uh, group. Uh, with, I mean, they are geni- uh, a genetics lab, and uh, so there were no like uh, any known CMEs or uh, any known um, uh, uh, gene. Um, so it, it, I mean, our lines were not associated with any known genetic uh, factors of ASD. Um, and when we picked our lines also, we tried to pick like similar, like, for example, all of them had low IQ. Uh, they scored very similar and all of them had ADOS scores and they scored very similarly at least. And they showed m- more or less like sa- similar phenotype. All of them ha- show repetitive behavior. All of them show sociability deficit. So, um, as heterogeneous as they are in terms of genetics, um, all, already in the selection process, you could see that, you know, common common pathways path should be altered in these indu- individuals because the phenotypes are very similar um, in terms of, you know, behavioral phenotypes were similar, low IQs and all. So we were careful with, like, you know, that they were comparable to each other.
0: Uh, on a related uh, note, um, uh, do you think that this is applicable to other members of the spectrum?
1: Yes, like you mean fragile X syndrome or um, yeah, yeah. rat syndrome. Um, if if you know, like in terms of the astrocytes, I mean, if you think astrocytes play a role, of course, why not? I mean, for FMRP, for example, FMRP is expressed in astrocytes too, and FMRP regulates uh, mRNAs in astrocytes too. So yes, it could be.
0: Yeah, and I, in, I can say from rat syndrome that the disease will work. It's quite important. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, oh, another one. Um, were the IPSC's line donors approximately age matched? I don't know.
1: If- um, yes. At, at the time of, um, I mean, at least the AST's were controls. It was, we tried to match them as much as possible. But um, the AST lines, yes, by the time the sample was collected, they were all, you know, yeah, very, very young age. Okay.
0: I don't think that matters, right once you reprogram them, I'm assuming that I mean the age factor is gone, so you yeah, can start I, I, yeah I, I,
1: I, I think so and it's it's different compared to other diseases though, like with Alzheimer's because people can show it at different stages but with autism, you know it's usually especially these days with the IPSC technology if you know someone you know the, the diagnosis is usually around the same age. Mm -hmm. So, you know, then you find a lot of samples that were collected around the same age.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's, um, that's amazing. Um, I think that's, uh, these are the questions that we have. uh, I would thank you again for the fantastic. Thank you very much.
1: Day. It was my pleasure.
0: Tour the force here. I mean, moving from the molecular biology to all behavioral. But again, you can surprise?
1: see we were uh, we were very lucky. I mean, this, there is no way that we have expertise in all these techniques, right? I mean, we were very lucky to have Connor Liston next lab, and even luckier that there was a person in his lab yeah, who amazing. was experiencing... in. They record like uh, measuring calcium activity in astrocytes I mean that was you know a <laughs> uh, heaven for us and eric Ericlan I mean he was very helpful and he, his postdoc was uh fantastic uh, Francesco um so you know like combining electrophysiology, molecular biology and you know calcium imaging yeah so we needed a lot of collaborators and I'm very thankful.
0: <laughs> thank you again uh Dr Cholak for uh, your talk uh, Evan, any last words? I think uh, you really reinforced also that uh, impactful science really is a
1: team sport, and I think, um, and that's an important lesson for trainees in science that uh, we should not be siloed.
0: And uh, bye bye everyone, stay well.
1: Thank you. Bye. Bye.